I just so you know, Chad Allen, our lead pastor, also has a sarong, as do I. Maybe I'll go home and get it and wear it for the next service. You never know. All right, listen. If you wait on God, you get what God can do. If you rush ahead or if you rush around, you get what you can do. So you decide what you want. Here we are in the first month of a new year. In 2016, some of you are going to be launching new careers. Some of you are going to be starting new businesses. Some are going to be falling in love, getting married, starting a family. New missions, new ministries are on the horizon. So what new thing are you wanting to do in 2016? Whatever it is that you're about to launch, whatever new initiative you're about to undertake, whatever new thing it is you're wanting to do, you need to be empowered. And the pathway to empowerment is waiting. The pathway to empowerment is waiting on God. Because if you wait on God, you get what God can do. If you rush ahead or if you rush around, you get what you can do. So you choose. See, something happens when we wait. When we wait, God does something in us, and that's necessary. See, God must do something in us before God can do something through us. So we got to learn how to wait. Because God's timing is the best, not our own. He does the right thing at the right time way, the right time, with the right people. Because while we wait, we are giving room for God to work. And He is perfect in how He builds something eternal and significant and lasting. So you rush ahead, you rush around God, you're going to fail to maximize His highest and His best for your life. So we got to be people who learn how to wait. But how do you do it? How do you wait on God? What does it look like? Well, the Bible gives us an example of what time in God's waiting room looks like. So open your Bibles today to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. As uh, Joe said, we're in our second week of our study through Acts, and uh, this series we're calling Empowered. And last week, Pastor Chad asked us us to pray a simple prayer over and over. Lord, help me live empowered by your Spirit. Lord, help me live empowered by your Spirit. So how'd you do? Pray in that prayer. Let's pray it right now. Here we go. Lord, help me live empowered by your Spirit. Just pray that over and over and see what God does. And he asked us to memorize Acts 1.8. So how'd you do with that one? Anybody got it? You want to quote it? I'm listening. But you will receive power. When? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and, and you will be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. All right, put it on the screen. Let's just say it together. We need to memorize this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Good stuff. Jerusalem, what is that? Well, for us in Northeast Ohio, it's local, right here, right around us. It's kind of like the night to shine prom that's going to happen on February the 12th. That's Jerusalem. Judea, that's regional. That's like Slavic village. 
wherewith Laura's home and the city mission and two other churches this past year, we helped restore a house for a once homeless single mother. I was there for the ribbon cutting. It was great to see her in that house. And thank you for all of you who volunteered to help restore that house. Samaria, that's national. That's something like uh, Appalachia, where we um, serve addictive men and women in Beckley, West Virginia. And then there's the end of the earth, and that's, of course, international. That's where we help in orphanages, uh, in places like El Salvador and South Sudan and Uganda. Uh, that's like uh, helping with medical missions in Mexico and Ghana. That's where we go to Indonesia, and you can get your own sarong <laughs> to help plant churches in the most uh, populous Muslim country in all the world. So today in the foyer, as Joe said, we're featuring a few of our national and international mission opportunities in our Missions Connect. So you can stop by and you can talk to some friendly folks who would love for you to find out more about what they're doing. We've got a cross-country bike ride to raise money for orphans in El Salvador and South Sudan and Uganda. And we need more riders and helpers. Uh, there's a trip to Appalachia to serve men and women who are struggling for freedom from addiction. We need more volunteers to go. That is a family-friendly trip. Um, we're sending a construction team to Mexico to serve the medical staff who live among uh, a remote people called the Tarahumara people. We're sending three teams of, uh, of six people each to Pearl Island, Indonesia to help share Christ uh, and plant churches among the Soli people in the largest Muslim country of the world. We're sending a team on a medical mission to Ghana, West Africa, where some CVCers are actually building a hospital, and we're hoping uh, 20 or more people will go. And right now, we're looking for a leader who would uh, lead a July trip to uh, go serve in the Love and Hope Children's Home in El Salvador. And you need to know something. When you give money to our general fund here, when you put a dollar in the offering basket, uh, a portion of that dollar goes to support all of this stuff that I just talked about and even more. See, we are a church making a difference in the world. We're his witnesses in our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and most parts of the earth. So please, 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 today... <laughs> Go out to that foyer and talk to some people about missions opportunities this Missions Connect. You can pray, you can give, you can go. And for all of this, we need power. And for that new initiative that you want to take in 2016, you need power. We need to be empowered people. Now, after Jesus rose from the dead, he told his followers something very simple. He said, wait in Jerusalem and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that same power is available to us today. Last week, Pastor Chad said this, God has made you for a greater purpose and has made available to you the power to fulfill that purpose. But if you are spiritless, you will be powerless. So we need to learn how to wait on the Spirit, on the promise of power. And in Acts chapter 1, we have here the story about how the early followers of Jesus waited there in Jerusalem on this promise of power. So I want to give you today seven words that describe how these first followers of Christ waited. And we can glean principles from our lives today. And if you're taking notes, you'll notice it's a little circle. It says waiting on the power or waiting on the Spirit. And it's got little lines out. You can fill in those lines however you, however you wish. So here's the first word. To wait on the promise for power here. Hear. See, our lives are often too noisy to hear from Jesus. So, when is your heart still? 
When is your mind quiet? When is your soul hushed? I want to quickly review what these early followers heard. Look at Acts 1 verse 4. And while staying with them, he, that's Jesus, ordered them, his followers, not to depart from Jerusalem. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So these guys had heard from Jesus. They heard, well, you're going to be on a mission. It's going to be your privilege to take my message to the world. And you're going to be able to invite broken people into a dynamic relationship with Jesus so that your lives can be restored. But for this message to actually change lives, you're going to need power. And they heard Jesus say, wait in Jerusalem for power. So they learned that before you want to start something new, you've got to first hear from Jesus. Remember what Jesus says in John chapter 10? He goes, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. So I just want to say to us today, people that want to do something great, new, in 2016, let's not be afraid to be silent before the Lord, thinking that it's wasted time. He doesn't want us to be talking all the time to him about stuff that he already knows, right? Silence is needed so we can hear from him, so we can adjust to him. We quietly wait in his presence and we hear his voice, and that's when we begin to tap into his power. And there's somebody here, you're try, trying to launch something new in 2016. I don't know what it is, but you do. Maybe you've prayed about it a little, maybe you've talked it over with a Christian friend or two, but you know you haven't really heard from Jesus. And truth be told, it's probably your plan and not his plan. And you've been so busy that you can't hear from him. Listen, to wait on the promise of power, you have to hear. Hear. Carve out time in your schedule to be quiet and hear. Second, you've got to heed. See, the church is filled with people that hear but don't heed. James, the brother of Jesus, put it this way in his letter... He goes, let's be doers of the word and not hearers only who deceive ourselves. So we hear and then we heed. And that's what the followers of Jesus did in those days. Jesus said to wait in Jerusalem and they did. Look at verse 12. Acts 1.12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. So Jesus ascended into heaven and gave them these commands in at uh, the Mount of Olivet, and then they travel a short distance back to Jerusalem. And, that, and when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. That's not Judas Iscariot who betrayed Jesus, it's another Judas. And as we're going to see later, there are other followers of Jesus there. In fact, there's men and women totaling a number of 120. So you have to think that everything in at least some of them did not want to wait. You've got to think surely some of them wanted to run. You say, why? Well, they're, they want to hide. They're afraid that what happened to Jesus just a few days before is going to happen to them. And others may have been so excited that they're just going to go tell everybody that Jesus was alive. We are part of something miraculous here. They wanted to go tell. So you got some who want to run. you got some who want to work. But Jesus said, wait. 
Because he knew something they didn't know. No matter how persuasive they could be, their words would have fallen to the ground powerless and ineffective apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. So he told them, wait, because I don't want your words to consist of human wisdom, but I want your words to consist of divine power. I don't want you to depend upon your own persuasion, your own eloquence, your own skill. Waiting on God isn't primarily for us to get something from God. Waiting on God is primarily for us to become someone for God. And that someone is to become a someone who hears and heeds the voice of Jesus. So there's somebody here today, perhaps, who has heard from Jesus, but he's asking you to do something that doesn't make sense. Break off that ungodly relationship. Or ask that believer to marry you. You're tempted to rush around, rush ahead, and God brought you to this place today to hear, be quiet, be unhurried, be listening, and then be obedient. Because that's part of what it means to wait on God. So hear, heed, third word, love. Love. Jesus had prayed that his followers would be one and that they would love one another. But I don't think it's a stretch for us to imagine that these first followers of Christ were not one. <laughs> they didn't have unity. I'm thinking that they maybe didn't like each other very well, at least not at first. I mean, some of them probably couldn't believe that Peter, the leader, had denied that he even knew Christ during Jesus' moment of crisis. I mean, out of 120 people, surely somebody said, you know what, I would never have done that. And then others might have said, oh yes, we could all have done that. And you got to think some of the 120 there, they had the zealot streak in them, and they want to strike out against the Romans and the Jewish religious leaders. You know, you hurt Jesus, we're coming after you. And others probably said, no, 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 time out. we got to forgive like Jesus did when he was nailed to the cross. So you've got a full gamut of emotions and perspectives and plans and strategies represented in that upper room. Some of them wanted to go home. Some of them wanted to fight. Some of them wanted to hide. But look at verse 14. And all these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers, and in those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120. So you got 120 people. Go back to 14. And all these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together. They were in one accord together. See, while you're waiting on God, God begins to do something in your heart. He not only wants to draw your heart toward himself, he wants to draw your heart toward others. Harsh words have to be forgiven. Failures have to be handled. Old wounds have to be healed. Power plays have to be forsaken. Agendas have to be put down. I mean, could it be that the power that you need from God to accomplish that new dream that you have in 2016 hasn't come because of some broken relationship in your life? You and your mom and dad and brother or sister, you're not in sync. You and your spouse, not getting along. 
I mean, you see a fellow follower of Christ in Giant Eagle, and you duck into the cereal aisle to avoid contact. You've been there. I've been there. See, God has you in His waiting room, partly because He's wanting you to repair some broken relationship. How can you move together toward another believer so that you're both on the same page? To wait on the promise of power. Hear, heed, love, and pray. Pray as if everything depends on God because it does. See, these followers of Jesus had seen him during his earthly ministry over and over again. They saw him go out to pray. So they saw there is a connection between prayer and power. So they had asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. So here they are waiting, and God's waiting on them to do what? To pray. And they did. Again in verse 14, and these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. Do you devote yourself to prayer? Do you devote yourself to prayer. You know, we sometimes use the acrostic P-R-A-Y to teach the parts of prayer. The, the P is for praise, the R is for repent, the A is for ask, the Y is for yield. If you don't know how to pray, you can organize your prayer life that way. Praise, repent, ask, and yield. Now, here, I think it's that second part of prayer that God wants us to focus on today. Repent. I mean, after all, Jesus had taught these 120 to say, forgive us our trespasses. And i got to think, these first followers, they had to be thinking about their foolishness, about their unbelief, about their doubts, about their fears, their strife, their selfishness, about their defeats. And you got to be thinking, they're going, how could God ever use the likes of us? And that's right where God wants us, isn't it? I mean, God wants us to confess our sin. He wants us to confess our weakness. He wants us to confess our failures. A.B. Simpson wrote this, There is no wiser nor better thing to do on the eve of a season of blessing. You want God to bless 2016, right? There's no wiser nor better thing to do on the eve of a season of blessing than to make an inventory, not of our riches, but of our poverty. It's where we lack it's our sin, it's our weakness, it's our fear, it's our failures. You want the Holy Spirit to empower you? Your heart has to be cleansed from sin. The Holy Spirit does not fill an unclean heart. What God cleanses, He fills. And what God fills, He empowers. Someone's here, and you're wanting God to do some great thing in your life. But you know there's some unconfessed sin in your life. You know there's some things in your life that you've not repented of. What is it that you're supposed to release in repentance today? You know, an angry outburst, bitterness, unforgiveness, envy, sloth, materialism, wasting time, lust, pornography. See, if you want the promise of power, you're going to have to hear, heed, love, and pray. And especially that aspect of prayer called repentance. Fifth word, read. Read. Now, in their confusion, they're thinking, like, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do next? While they're waiting, you know what they did? They turned to the same scripture that Jesus had sought when he was with them. Look at verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons wasn't all about 120 and said, Brothers, 
the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. So he is saying here, we found something in the Bible. The part of the Bible is written a thousand years before our day today. And it was written about Judas, this, this man who betrayed Christ. So you've got Judas, who's one of the 12 closest followers of Jesus. He defected and brought men to arrest Jesus, betraying Jesus with a kiss. So Peter goes on to describe Judas in verse 17. Um, for he, Judas, was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. So he was one of the 12. Now this man, Judas again, acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his bowels gushed out. Now that's just gruesome. Now, maybe you don't know the story, but when Judas betrayed Jesus, he received 30 pieces of silver as payment. And afterwards, he felt guilty, and he threw the money back to the religious leaders who had arranged the arrest. And they go out, and they bought a field with Judas's money. So that's why it says here, Judas acquired the field. It was his money. Now, he felt so guilty about what had happened that he committed suicide, hanging himself somewhere in that field. And evidently the branch broke or the rope broke and Judas fell and burst open. Gruesome. Verse 19. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the field was called in their own language Akeldama, that is, field of blood. Now, notice what happens next. Peter, who's speaking here, quotes two verses from the Bible. Verse 20. For it is written in the book of Psalms... May his camp become desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it. That's Psalm 69, 25. And then let another take his office. And that's Psalm 109, 8. So what's happening here is they are gaining perspective about what had happened to Judas and about what was supposed to happen next because they were opening their Bible and reading while they waited, they read their Bibles. And they began to have a perspective that could come no other way. They saw in a new, fresh way how to interpret what had happened to them and what was supposed to happen next. So, question. Are you reading your Bible? Really reading your Bible? Some of you are waiting on the next thing. Some of you are waiting on a marriage. Some of you are waiting on a baby to come. Some of you are waiting on a job or a breakthrough or a promise that God has given you. And you're confused about what God's doing and why. But if you will read your Bible, God will give you verses and God will give you insights that will remind you that God is faithful. Even in the confusing times, God is faithful and God has a plan for the next step. Maybe you don't have perspective. And maybe you don't have power. Because you're just not reading your Bible. To wait on the promise of power. Hear, heed, love, pray, read, and plan. Plan. See, sometimes we think of waiting on God as this passive thing to do. No, 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 no. It's an active thing to do. Remember the scriptures say about Judas, let another take his place? Well, after the suicide of Judas, the circle of leadership had shrunk to 11. But 12 is the biblically significant number. The 12 tribes of Israel, Jesus 
chose 12, and he had promised that his closest followers would one day lead the 12 tribes in the life to come. So now who would be the 12? And how are they going to decide? So Peter here is talking in verse 21. He says, So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went out and went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. So here's he's asking, who was with us at the baptism of Jesus? And who kind of traveled as part of the outer circle as Jesus went in and out and did his ministry? And who witnessed the crucifixion, resurrection, and the ascension? And so out of the 120, two people qualified. Verse 23. And they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots. Now that's kind of like flipping a coin, okay? Heads, <laughs> it's Joseph, and tails, it's Matthias. Or that's like rolling the dice, you know? Okay, odd number, Matthias, even number, Joseph. And they cast lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles, which then became 12. Now, I am not recommending rolling dice or cutting cards to make a decision. But I will have to say this. This was tradition in the Old Testament. There's a verse in Proverbs 16.33. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. So these ancient Jews, they believed that God was sovereign over the, the roll of the dice. And Matthias is chosen. That's the way. Now, we do not see his name again in the Bible. And some people say, oh, they picked the wrong guy. But no, that's not true because later in the book of Acts, you see decisions made by not the 11, but the 12. So Matthias was part of the, uh, the leadership circle that made decisions. So they cast these lots to choose Matthias. Now, I don't want you to think this is like an irresponsible thing to do. Because if you think about it, the 11 had come up with criteria they had come up with qualifications for the 12th apostle. He had to be a guy that was at the baptism, traveled with us, seen the resurrection and ascension. They were planning. They were thinking ahead. Who's going to help us lead? What are the characteristics that he has to have? So waiting doesn't mean that you're doing nothing. Waiting is trusting God to do his thing, but remember, it's not passive, it's active. While you're waiting on God's power, think and organize, and strategize, and recruit, and put some systems into place, put some people into place, get ready for that thing that you think God is going to do next. But you do it all while trusting in the sovereignty of God. To wait on the promise of power. Hear, heed, love, pray, read, plan, and finally, hope. Hope. Even though the disciples had seen Jesus alive, they were still confused, they were still despairing, they were still questioning, but they waited and they allowed God to work. Scripture and prayer and plans and love came together and something began to shine in the darkness. And what was it? It was hope. It's a belief in a better day. It's a belief that my life matters. It's a belief that God has a purpose for me that, 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 that's bigger than me. 
It's believing that life has meaning. It's a confidence that some small part that I can play will have eternal significance because I'm part of God's plan. It's an understanding that God is going to give permanence to the work of my hands. It's actually believing I can be empowered. It is possible for little old me to be empowered by the Holy Spirit of God because the same stuff that's in me was in Peter and Matthew and James and John. They're no better than me. They just learn how to wait on God. And God did some amazing things in them, through them, with them, and for them because they waited. I can do that too. See, these followers of Jesus back in those days, they were able to somehow stand on tiptoe and look into the future knowing we're going to be sent out of Jerusalem and beyond to share the best news ever. That some people who were previously enemies of Jesus would become his friends. The Spirit is going to come. And power is going to come like wind and like fire. And we're going to learn more about that next week. Psalm 62 says, For God alone my soul waits in silence, for my hope is from Him. Some of you here today, you've lost hope. But God brought you here to say, don't give up. Don't stop waiting. Don't stop praying. Don't stop loving and reading and planning. Because waiting on God's time is never a waste of our time. God is working. Even if we don't see it, God is always working behind the scenes, orchestrating His plans and purposes. Just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean that it won't happen. So to wait on God means to hope in God, to expect from God. Fresh wind and fresh fire can come. And this motley crew, even with the likes of me on board, has the potential to turn the world upside down. So to wait on the promise of power, hear and heed, love and pray, read and plan, and hope. So, question, which one of these words did the Holy Spirit impress on your heart that you needed to hear the most today? Anybody? Which one? All the above. Teacher's pet. Which one? Hear, heed, read. Pick, pick one of those words for yourself. And then I want you to ask another question. What are one or two things that you can do this week to move the needle forward in that area? What's a change you're going to make starting today to be different? So that this time wasn't academic, but that it's transformational for you. You know, all of us are stuck somewhere between the pain of this world and the promise of God. There's something that's not right or not perfect or not the way we'd hoped or dreamed it was going to be. But God promises that we can all have the power that we need to accomplish all the purposes that He has for our lives. The question is this, will we wait? Isaiah 30, 18 says, Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and He exalts Himself to show mercy to you. Blessed are those who wait for Him. He's waiting on you to wait for Him. And when you do, those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. 
They mount up with wings like eagles. They run and not get weary, walk and not faint or become tired. Today's life message. If you wait on God, you get what God can do. If you rush ahead or rush around, you get what you can do. So you choose. Some of you here today, you just need the power of Jesus in your life. You've never received Christ as Lord and Savior. We want to give you the chance to do that today. He came to this world. He lived a perfect life. He died on a cross to pay the penalty for your sins so you could be forgiven. And now he says, you need to receive me as your Lord and Savior. And so there's a prayer on the screen. It's in your program. Dear God, I have tried to make things happen in my life on my own. This is a great sin. I'm broken. I'm powerless. And I wait on you. Save me. Give me power. A new life in Christ. I believe Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. I believe he rose from the dead. Today, I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Help me to live empowered by your Holy Spirit. If you pray that prayer today, if that prayer expresses the desire of your heart, there's a card in front of you. You can check it. My decision today. And we would love to help you uh, grow. You could put that in the offering basket. Father in heaven, I pray that you would help us all tap into more of the power that's available to us through the Holy Spirit. Father, we don't want to do what we can do. We want to wait on you and watch what you can do through the likes of us. So, Father, I pray for that person in this room right now who thinks that you've passed them by. Lord, I pray that they would just uh, learn to sit before you with an open Bible, with a broken heart, and with a willingness to obey. And God, you would resurrect hope that they can make a difference in this world for your glory. Lord, how much potential is in this room if we would just wait on you and watch you work in Jesus name